Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast. I'm Alison Perry, and you're listening to episode 22. Today on the podcast is editor of Stylist magazine, Lisa Smazarski. As well as launching and editing a multi-award winning magazine, Lisa is a mum of three. I loved recording this episode and hearing Lisa's thoughts on how she balances family life with a busy career and how she manages things when she drops a few balls that she's juggling. We also discussed how women and mothers are portrayed in the media, how much we've progressed towards getting equality for women since Stylist launched and how far we still have to go. We also touched upon the Me Too movement, on raising boys, and what it was like for Lisa when she interviewed Hillary Clinton. I'm thinking I should totally get Hillary on the podcast, shouldn't I? Anyway, here's my chat with Lisa. So welcome, Lisa Smazorski. Thank you. Um, so you are mum of three. Mm. Um, let me see if I can get this right. Um, a six-year-old... Mm-hmm. Four-year-old, yeah, and a one-year-old. Yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, and um, just casually, the editor of Stylist magazine. I'll just squeeze that in in yes. my spare time. Um, I mean, it's that kind of age-old question. But like, what is your? What are the kind of key ingredients for you to keep? all of the plates spinning without them all crashing to the ground. Oh, they crash regularly. Do I mean, they? They, it's, it's, it, I, I really, really feel quite strongly that I don't want to perpetuate a myth that it's easy. It's really not easy. And mm-hmm. I depend on lots of people around me to make my life work. My memory is full. I think I filled it up and it's spilling over the edges. I used to pride myself on being able to remember everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I regularly forget things for school, I forget things for work, I forget things, friends' birthdays and things. So I de- like, it is just really, really, really busy, but it's great. You know, I wanted a big, busy home. Uh, I have a fantastic job, I can't complain. But I've got a really good husband who does loads. You know, it's, it's I do genuinely think one person in a partnership takes a different kind of workload. You need support for each other. So. He does the school runs. Um, 
I leave him at breakfast time. Who wants to do that? Mayhem in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of, I left this morning and my heart broke a little bit. It does make me sad sometimes. They were all sitting in a line at the table, little babies there now as well, having breakfast. That's an achievement in itself, having them at the table. <laughs> oh, trust me, that was about a split second. As I started to go out the door, a boy came running after me and clinging mm. on to legs. It is quite hard, so, but we don't have a nanny. We're lucky enough to have involved granny. Uh, who comes and helps us out with childcare day and a half? But it's a it's a mix and match of nursery, after school clubs. It's piecing it all together, isn't it? That is yeah. that's the reality, and it changes all the time. Yeah. So I I remember chatting to you when uh, Grace and Dylan were little, and you we, you know you think you've got it all sorted, don't you? I've sorted out my childcare, sorted this, and yeah. of course every sort of six months it changes yeah. again. So that's whether that's because now there's after school clubs or. Uh, play day or something but those demands change all the time so that's my biggest learning is none of it's set in stone mm. being a bit more flexible evolving with it not being shocked when it has to change again whether that's moving nurseries or schools or whatever you have to do yeah it's very very fluid i think that's a really nice way of looking at it and so on the flip side of that how do you deal with so if you are as you say constantly you know plates crashing kind of forgetting things mm. how do you um kind of stop yourself from falling apart with guilt and just feeling inadequate how do you mm. still feel like you're doing your best um well I do think I'm doing my best and I think we're so tough on ourselves actually because I've got three really happy kids I've got a job I show them what it means to have a good job that you're passionate about and excited about so I feel really strongly about being a role model to my children as well I feel really strongly about not having traditional gender roles at home. So, you know, everyone's mucking in. It's a partnership. I have lists everywhere, post-it notes everywhere, reminders everywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly anal anyway. I like a good list. Um, but I do have to set myself up little systems and ways of doing things. The guilt, the guilt comes and goes. I mean, I don't, on the whole, I don't feel guilty actually because... I really do think I am doing the best for my family. I don't... I think I'm showing them lots of different ways of being. I would like to be there a bit more. Some weeks are worse than others. Um, and that does make me feel a bit sad. But I don't know if I call it all-round wrapped guilt. Because I just... I don't think I'm being selfish. Mm. I think I'm... You know, I'm earning money for us as a family. I'm teaching them about what work means. I am, when I'm there, I try and be really present and with them and playful and fun and get involved and, you know, every night where I can get back in the evening, so I'll see them and have a little chat at night. Um, of course I feel like I miss out on things, but it's a bit different to guilt, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So you, you say that when you're at home, you're present, so do you have any kind of rules for your, like, right, mobile phone goes into a drawer, a drawer and we just focus on the people around us. I try really hard to do that. Obviously, I would be lying if it's I said hard. I do that all the time. I, I aspire to be that person. I hear so many people saying, this is this Davina McCall Yes, it. Davina McCall said it. Yeah. And since I heard her saying it, a few people have also said they do it. And I'm like, right, I that's... tried for a week to Did do what you? she said. So she said she had a bowl or a dish or something yeah. by the door and she would pop her phone in. They all had like phones at the door roll and I was like, that's so good. Went home to my husband, we should have a phone at the door roll. Then I was like, oh, you teenager, get off your phone. We've got a phone at the door roll. And then suddenly I'm sneaking a look yeah. in the loo or something. <laughs> um, and of course there are work things that pop up from yeah. time to time. I work a four day week on that fifth day. I'm trying really hard, but 
you know, with a baby, that means when she's napping, I go off and do my thing. Um, I, I'm trying very hard. I can't say I'm excellent. Uh, that would be a lie. All but, you can do is try our best, though, <laughs> exactly. surely. Um, okay, so um, stylist feels to me like it's a bit of a breath of fresh air in the magazine world. So to me, it feels like not only do you um, kind of highlight things um, that we're all thinking but haven't quite vocalised yet, mm-hmm. which I think is like a really, that's like the, the reason I pick it up personally. Um, but also you've got like this strong feminist slant mm-hmm. coming through. How much of that was um, a kind of brief that you picked up, mm. you know, at the start when you launched, and how much is, of that is your influence as, uh, as an editor? It's interesting. Well, first of all, thank you, because my aim of the game always is to be inside our readers' heads. So my brief to my team, actually, it's funny you should say that, is know the reader better than she knows herself. So say it before she's thought it. Yeah. So that you can't... So, Really, it's about being incredibly nosy and just listening to people all the time. So I do it a lot on the buses and on the tube. I listen in on conversations. <laughs> and that will be just like turns of phrase or something someone's laughing at. What are they reading? What so if you ever see Lisa on the bus, be yeah, careful. Yeah, avoid me because I'm like a horrible spy. <laughs> Make actually, notes. To be fair, people have come up to me on the bus and they're like, you the editor of Stylus. I got caught reading a copy of Stylus the other day on the bus. <laughs> so I was like, this looks a bit wrong. Look at me, everyone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in return, I'm spying on you back. Mm. So, but it's about that. But So was it deliberate at the start? I'm not sure. I think, I think it's partly in my nature as an editor to do that. Mm. And so I learned through that first year to be vocal about it with my team. So when we were thinking about features, readers would say to me, oh, you're inside my head. And I was like, yeah, I want that. I want more of that. Mm. So I guess, I guess it was reciprocal, actually. Sort of happened naturally, and then it became a really conscious movement as people started to say that to us, and that is really important for me. I think I think that's what Starless is all about. And then the feminist spirit that was pretty deliberate, actually. So when we launched that, uh, Captain Moran's book hadn't come out. Oh, wow. The sort of big wave of noisy feminism, which is brilliant mm. and is here now, just hadn't started. And I actually remember going out to advertisers and to the industry and saying, "Oh, we're feminist." people sort of flinching and I was like with a lowercase f <laughs> what does that even mean with a lowercase f <laughs> yeah um, not with an uppercase because people were nervous yeah. about it but we, what we believed and what we still believe is that as women we want to be treated equally that's our that is what our feminism is all about so if there's a slight injustice going on if there's a difference for women then we'll call that out and then we'll name it not men hating we love men we particularly love feminist men you know but this is just all about the pursuit of equality Mm. um so that was deliberate but i guess what changed is the climate around us really changed as well whether we were part of the reason for that and people felt more comfortable and confident about it yeah i mean it's hard to tell isn't it when you're in the middle of a zeitgeist because obviously lots of things play in at the same time but, it, but I did go out and have that conversation and people were twitchy about it at the time. Mm. And that's really interesting to me because you think eight years on, if you weren't feminist, there'd be a problem now. Yeah. So, which is great. You kind of feel like, well, that's what we wanted. This was the world we wanted to create. And really, Silas is a magazine for its readers, a brand for its audience. So we should be inside their heads and feeling what they feel. And if that's about equality, yeah. that has to be part of the conversation. Yeah, of course. Um, and how do you feel, you know, as a mum of boys and a girl, mm. how do you feel about, I, I speak to some people who feel like 
we're going too far the other way you know that we're building our girls up and that boys these poor boys are being forgotten about and I kind of feel like well in the world we live in boys don't you know that they're going to be all right in the wider world when they grow up I think they'll be all right yeah I mean it's interesting I've got two thoughts on it I suppose one is that uh yeah it's a pretty male world I think most boys becoming men will have the advantages they've always had and then we have to empower our daughters to want and expect the same things Mm. so I do think yes okay perhaps it's more vocal um but that's necessary just to get equal footing so I do think that on the flip side I'm really acutely aware of mental health issues Mm. in boys and young men and so what I'm trying really hard to do is not um put expectations of masculinity on the kids just letting them explore who they are what they want to be and how they want to behave what they want to play with um and um giving them language actually because i think again if you were to follow traditional gender stereotypes well boys will be boys and they'll communicate physically well actually well we they are really physical i mean they're like crazy apes sometimes (laughs) they're always rolling around the floor but when they're upset or they're angry, I spend a lot of time actually with them and saying, okay, let's find some words so you can tell me what you're That's feeling. Really and it's hard. They find it really hard. And and I don't have a daughter of the same age to compare against. Yeah. But, um, but they do find it hard. So, so we're just like, is it anger? Is it sadness? Is it something hurt? What is it? Let's put a name on it. And the other thing I say a lot is... Don't give it the power. Let's just say it out loud and get rid of it. Oh, that's good. Because some, one of my sons is so empathetic and emotional. He hangs on to things. And you're like, let's get it out. Yeah. Let's get it out. It's and then it loses its power, yeah. doesn't it? I really like that. So I do, I feel... They're the bits I feel more conscious about with the boys, I think, is just giving them skills in quite a full-on world, actually. And being mindful with the things that we do know about boys and mental health that we can just give a little bit to help them, I suppose, with that. That's nice. Um, And do you think that motherhood is represented within women's magazines uh, enough, properly? No, probably not, actually. I mean, we don't do a huge amount in stylists. And the the reason is that when we launched it, we know our readers have kids, but we wanted this to be a space which was about you. Right. So it wasn't about your husband, Mm. partner. It wasn't about your family. Um, in many ways it wasn't really about your friends it was just about you and how you were feeling in any given moment so so much is about psychology and social psychology and behaviour a lot about work obviously that's a really big thread for us we made a really different thing to not invite families or partners into that world actually Okay. Um, so we don't do a huge amount ourselves and I think you know I think the problem in magazines is the same problem on social media, is the same problem anywhere else, is the perfection of mm. parenthood. So we see it through celebrity a lot, of course, as well. You know, we see lots of celebrity interviews. And again, it's a bit like we were saying at the beginning of this chat, I can't pretend that it's all super easy and yeah. it just flows. You know, it isn't perfect a lot of the time. Um, and that's the thing, I still think parenting to agree, it's a lot of expectations. Just lots of pressures, I think, that we put on ourselves as mothers, as working mothers, as stay-at-home mothers. There's just so much expectation. I mean, I find my at-home days some of the hardest days of my week. Yeah, I mean... I bet you come to work for a bit of a rest. I know, because <laughs> I'm like, it's... 
chaos and yeah. just there's so many demands. I mean, the idea that I'd be baking a cake in the middle of all that is just laughable. There's definitely been a bit of a shift though. When you, at Stylist Live, you had a really interesting panel of women, um, mums, talking about the whole fish finger gate solidarity yeah. um, thing which happened. So the male um, ran a feature, um, oh, about six months ago. Um, which was kind of lambasting these women for talking about drinking gin and feeding their yeah. kids fish fingers. Um, but for so many mums, that has been a really welcome shift away from the perfection. Mm. And some people say it's gone too far. And, you know, like the, this male article it's divisive, was... divisive, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that's just it, isn't it? Is it feels like the media really are still trying to pit mothers against, whether yeah. it's like breast v bottle, working v stay at home. Yeah. It's, oh yeah it's kind I mean, of exhausting it's just, it is it, and it is awful because actually the majority of women you know are not like that mm. are they you know it's sort of even Motherland the new TV show which is which amazing I love in a really horrible cringy way yeah I mean I did a friend of mine in the office said I couldn't watch it last night because it was a bit like real life playing out and I was thinking see it isn't for me because I don't think the majority of people I meet in a day to day life are like that yes I can see the caricatures and the stereotypes yeah. but I don't you know actually most mums help out and you can't pick up your child you know they sort of they don't necessarily judge you when you're sitting down and you're breastfeeding and one's bottle feeding that doesn't necessarily happen but there is a bigger bubble of expectation and of course very vocal people mm. defending each of those arms and I think that's where the pressure comes from because actually sure you know I look I love her Gin and you know all of all of those sort of blogs and Instagram accounts and things but you take it with a pinch of salt don't you yeah and it's you know and it's sort of all of it has just become so pressurised. The magnifying glass is huge, isn't mm. it? Um, but that's this is just part of a whole gender play, though, isn't it? Which is, let's look at women and what they're doing and yes. how they're living their lives, and we'll judge them a little bit. Yes. Oh, you don't have children. Let me judge you on exactly. that a little bit. You know, it's sort of everything we do. We scrutinise the behaviour of women. Women do it to other women in very large formats. You know, so many newspaper columns written by women are really misogynistic. Yes. It's, what is that about? Uh, I know, it's just unbelievable. So we paint these pictures and that's why you kind of go, oh look, this is still quite a patriarchal world. Uh, let's teach our daughters something different mm. here. And that's why, you know, we do focus those efforts. Yeah. Because, God, I don't want them sitting there having the same conversations. And it's interesting, you mentioned breast versus bottle and you forget it, don't you, when you come out of the baby bit, actually. Yeah. About how all-consuming that is. Yeah. I mean... I really struggled to breastfeed my first child. Really horribly painful, and it really didn't work. And I would cry my eyes out at night. And it's sort of, you know, six months after, it's like that's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I that for. It seems all right at the time, at though. The time, it destroyed the me. first time. I that... remember being embarrassed getting a bottle. Out. Oh my goodness! Yeah, thinking people are going to judge me. Yeah. I remember the first time that um, I gave my little one um, a bottle. Um, I had to get my husband Mark to go and do it while I yeah. sat in the other room crying, cry, yeah. like almost like we're we're succumbing to feed my child poison, and it's like <laughs> I know. this is insane. I know. I mean, what a thing to do to a, a person who's just expelled another person from their body, has <laughs> grown a human, yeah. and then expelled it. <laughs> it's just, and and that's the thing, you know. You, again, you know, you look at mental health and women postnatally. It's like the that is a pressure we do not need. Mm. And I so, you know, I remember 
the first two boys found it really hard. I found it really easy with my third. Mm. How weird is that? It's mm. just, it works, it doesn't work. Yeah. My boobs were the same boobs. Not much had happened. But then but maybe you were just in a very different place. So who knows? I just don't know. But what I'd done when I went in the third time is I said, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I feel all right about this now. They all seem quite healthy. Why do I worry about the uh, Etchbits formula going in? Or... I've heard so many mums, mums of three, who say by the third one, they're just a bit like, well, you know, shrugging their shoulders and we're just going to get on with it. And maybe because that level of anxiety and well, stress isn't there. I had a better midwife actually, so a mm-hmm. uh, local midwife who came round and um, my daughter was, you know, not putting on weight properly and actually she lost a huge amount of weight and so they were, I was breastfeeding and actually was working. I was like, well, hang on a minute, I'm going to give this a go. But she she just straight, straight in, oh, just do whatever works for you. And I was like, now that is key, isn't it? Because mm. the amount, I heard a woman, God, now I can't remember which child this was but when, <laughs> I was in, uh, when I was in the labor ward but I heard this woman um being told by a midwife to just try it and she was saying I don't want to breastfeed and the midwife said just try she's like I don't want to though she's like just try this is better for your baby this is so this whole spiel it's like three in the morning or something oh, my goodness. then this woman's sobbing profusely and I was like what what is this? You know, yeah. this isn't about looking after the mother's best interests here, is it? You know, she clearly feels very strongly about this. She's not undecided, actually. Mm. She's very clear, and you're making her feel guilty. And I do think, actually, from having my first to my third over those seven years, that there has been a slight shift, actually, a slight relaxing in some of that mm. advice that's given. That's been my experience, anyway. I'm sure other people would differ with that. But, yeah. um, you know... Yeah. If that's how it starts, of course, there's like lots of things to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you're right though. I think that it's it's definitely the whole motherhood thing is part of a much bigger, wider issue with how women are being portrayed in the media. Um, and I mean, I I had a look this morning at a, a certain um, newspaper's website, and um, the first thing that came up that I saw was a headline about Talisa, who was at the Mobile Awards last night. And the headline, let me read it to you. It was. Talisa flaunts her ample yeah. assets in a plunging black dress with a thigh-high split as she steps back into the stepwright for the Mobile Awards. And I just thought, oh my goodness, the language is so just insane. Like, ample assets. I have such a problem with that language. This whole culture... So, my favourite is uh, X celebrity flaunts baby bump. That, that is my favourite. Because we're like, what do you do with your baby bump that yeah. suggests you flaunt it? And flaunting is like, it's like showing off to make someone feel jealous or, you know, admire you, you know, a situation. Like, shows off her curves. You know, like, well, where were you supposed to put them? Yeah. Like, it's like, I'll put them under a bag so I don't show them off. It's show off a negative. There's a like, real negative suggestion. I've never seen a man show off his bottom in a suit before. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It's such... And you kind of think, this isn't about what women are wearing. This is about how we talk about women. Yeah. And if you find someone attractive, then she's showing off. She's flaunting herself. Now, that makes us think negatively about attractive, so-called, I'm doing inverted commas, but attractive people. Because you kind of just think, well, what are we setting up? That's jealousy, that's rivalry, that's a suggestion about her character, just in one nice little sentence. 
what's it? Ample bosom. Her ample assets. Assets. So her, she, she's using her breasts as assets to gain something. I, mean, I do, don't you? All the time. <laughs> I'm a bit like, hey, these bad boys are going to get me nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, what, just what ludicrous dated language. And it's so damaging, and we accept it actually because it's part of our vernacular. You don't, you don't necessarily stop and judge those words. And I really do think you're right to bring it up because mm. you should. Mm. That is not all right, and it is okay if everyone is on the same playing field. If we are judging men by exactly the same standard, I'd be far cooler about it. But it's the fact that it's only language angled at women. I mean, yeah. Then that would be Theresa May might be showing off her ankle. Well, there was well, <laughs> risque. Uh, well, there was the whole three quarter length trouser. There was the image, wasn't there, of Theresa May and Nicola Sturgeon, where the the legs were were being Lexia. focused on. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, oh my goodness, you're reducing these women's achievements and skills to their legs. I know. I mean, it, the thing is, it's so farcical. It's it's so farcical. It's easy to dismiss it because it's you know so frustrating. We live in a world where mm. we talk like that, and we're so used to it. As yeah, well. we are. Yeah, but I think you've got to call it out, really. Yeah, and I think that as parents as well, like, I, I quite often shudder when I see um, you know pictures of. I don't know, like 13, 14 year old girls with the headline, oh my, look how you've grown. Oh. And you would never get that about a boy. You know, like, I mean, that's got to change, hasn't it? I can't see how in contemporary society with the news stories we've had this year and the change in culture that that can continue. But mm. it does happen, you're right, it does happen. Because celebrity daughter hits 14. Oh, I mean, it's just disgusting. It's vile. It is disgusting. And, you know, it's sort of, you simply cannot talk about children. They are children like that. Yeah. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. And it's interesting because when you think about mums and the way that mums are described in the media, quite often in the headline you'll see mother of two or mother of three mm. as a way of describing, you know, like I saw what some, some headline. Defined by your... Yeah, and it's really interesting that, that being a mum should somehow... Um, you know, be the, the, the most important part of your identity, but also make people view you in a certain way, like you shouldn't be behaving in a certain way or you should be behaving in a certain way. And it's just quite interesting, that subtle use of language. Yeah, I mean, obviously there was a campaign that you were involved with recently, which was about reclaiming the word mum, wasn't yeah. it? So not using it in a derogatory way, which I thought was really interesting, actually, because I must admit, hadn't occurred to me. I hadn't really stopped and thought. And I, I spend a lot of time in my job thinking about. We did this um, campaign for 
girls and sport before this girl can but the whole idea of throw like a girl run like a girl like really resonated with me and when you know this idea of mum jeans mum tum you know the negatives I was oh god that's that is really interesting actually um but yeah I mean it's Look, as women in this society we live in, we are still defined by whether we do or don't have children. You know, that question goes to our Prime Minister. You know, there are so many complex reasons why women do or don't have children. It is a hard and harrowing conversation for lots of people to have. You are judged if you simply don't want to. You are judged if you can't. I mean, just just so despicable. It disgusts me so much. You are challenged on how many children you're going to have all the time. I've got three kids. Everyone keeps asking me if I'm going to have a fourth. Really? (laughs) That surprises me. At one, you know, as a parent, one happens all the time. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, our fertility is someone else's conversation. And it shouldn't be. No, my ovaries are my ovaries. Back off. Yeah. And it's, you know, I I would never. I am really mindful of it and make sure I never do it as a person because I probably was guilty of that as a younger woman before you truly understand what all of this conversation means. But you know, I've got very good friends who simply don't want kids. It's that simple. And they are scared of saying it out loud because they know they'll get really judged. It doesn't mean they hate kids. They just have chosen not to have kids. Um, And, you know, on the flip side, I've had friends who can't have children and they are struggle with this conversation so much so so much and it's just heartbreaking to be around that and to witness that happen sometimes where people just strangers just ask you questions and you know they simply don't ask that of men you know men don't ever get challenged on their fertility that's true or their choices about parenthood Mm. it just doesn't happen because you don't wear it it's not visible in the Mm. same way as a man yeah um, and for and so I, long that was our role in life, wasn't it? That was the, yeah, the women's course. role. You know, we took, it's a very recent history, isn't it, really? So, 100 years since women get, got the vote. You know, yeah. 100 years is a flicker in history. Um, but in those past 100 years, huge steps have been changed in terms of equality. Loads more still needs to happen. But, you know, we are having that conversation now. We understand that women aren't inferior to men. But so many of these habits are hangover, aren't they? Yeah, it's ingrained, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, you look at the world as a global forum, of course there's so many different cultural things that play into that. But in our world in the UK, you know, we, we still have those judgments hanging over and, and that varies, it varies across the UK population, doesn't it? It's different in different places, but it's... It's hard, and I think again, it's just you sort of got to name it and call it out a little mm. bit. Otherwise, it won't change, will it? Yeah. You'll still be having that conversation when your daughter's grown up, and yeah. those expectations are put on her. I feel like we, we we need to be that kind of like annoying, slightly gobby, mouthy, feminist kind of person to to be calling it out as much as people might roll their eyes and be like, oh, there they go again. You've kind of got to put yourself forward and be like, no, I'm going to keep challenging that person or challenging that attitude. Yeah, I th- yeah. I mean, if you don't, nothing changes, does it? It's really that simple. Laura Bates' campaign proved that, you know, when she got everyone to talk about everyday sexism, the whole dialogue changed, actually. I mean, yeah. that had such significant impact. And of course, I mean... God, I'm a Harvey Weinstein. Yes, Look, I'm going to go into a the, whole, the whole Me Too thing. Me Too. Mm. But, you know, I was at Stylist Live, so the big event that we do, we had loads of brilliant women coming through, and, you know, I was chatting to Bridget Christie, the comedian, and she was like, 
you know, now we've got men sort of saying, oh, well, I'm, you know, what, are the, what are the boundaries yes. now? I won't even hold a we, door open We can't anymore. look at a woman without <laughs> being accused of something. <laughs> and you're just like, well, the boundaries are, don't touch her inappropriately. It's fairly simple. Yeah. But, you know, we are in a real moment of transition. There's a real movement going on. And it just feels like it's an opportunity to open up that conversation. Now, that can be in a confrontational way. Well, that can just be a normal, day-to-day chat. You know, mm. I just believe it's part of the dialogue we teach our children different words. We teach them the language to behave differently. You know, it's sort of... Jess Phillips MP was at Silas Live and she was saying... So she's really outspoken. Yeah, I love her. Like, she's incredible my hero. woman. Yeah, totally incredible. So her, I don't know, 10 or 11-year-old son was there, bless him. He's like, he, he goes and champions mum and, you know, travels around and goes to her talks. And she was telling a story, and this is all about subconscious bias. So she was telling a story that... Um, a, a news story had broken her about an MP in the news. I can't remember full details. But son says, oh, do you know him, mummy? And it's a female MP. And he, she was like, his mother was an MP. Yet still, the assumption when he hears the word MP is that it's a man. Oh. Now, how much do we have to do to change that? Yeah. And I was... Because that's quite shocking, actually. But, of course, that's not his fault. That's just the expectation, the language that we have around politics. Yeah. But that's the whole subconscious bias thing that has to change. And it's only really by drawing attention to it is that going to happen. And the thing is, you know, ludicrous backlash of like, oh, I don't even know if I can, you know, say hello to a woman. It's just, it's just absurd, yes. isn't it? But like, God, if you really feel that, I don't mind offending you. Yes. <laughs> I'm okay I'll make with you that. feel slightly uncomfortable if that's your attitude. Yes. Because most of the men I know wouldn't do that. Most yeah. of the men I know are as shocked as we are by, you know, these attitudes. So again, you know, it's about having that conversation with men and women, I think. Mm. You know, it's not, this isn't just for women to have a conversation. Yeah, that's really important. Um, okay, Lisa, some quick fire questions for you. Oh, stop ranting. Now. Yeah, stop ranting. One to quick fire <laughs> questions. Um, I always think of these quick fire questions as being a little bit like, you know, the Smash Hits biscuit tin. Of course. Um, so Lisa was editor of uh, Smash Hits back in the day, weren't you? I was. Um, who's your dream cover star on Stylist? Who I haven't had yet. Yeah. Uh, Stella McCartney and Emma Watson. Nice. And Michelle Obama. Why would oh. I not say her first? Yes. yes. <laughs> um, you interviewed um, Hillary Clinton, I did, didn't yeah. you? Was that like a real highlight for you? Oh, God, it was amazing. It was just so amazing. I mean, as someone I respect for working so, so hard, and, you know, she really... She's an interesting female politician, I think, because she genuinely believes in women's rights, which can't actually be said of every female politician, which is fine, you know. Um, but she really does want to bring the women with her. And so... When I met her, I met in Claridge's. She was in a room, obviously. It was really relaxed, but she's just the most amazing diplomat. I mean, obviously, she travelled the world and, you know, dealt with Mugabe and Putin and all the rest. So I'm, like, <laughs> easy in comparison. Yeah. But she was smiley, she was friendly, she was engaged, she used my name a lot. Mm. You know, she'd tell me what a great question I just asked. I was like, you I love so that. good at this. Ooh. You are so good. I mean, I was buzzing. And, you know, just a great conversation and interested and interesting. Uh, so that will probably be my all-time best interview, I think. I actually think it would be hard to 
top it. More than like, like Westlife back in the day when you were oh, at Smash Hits. I don't know. My first ever interview was with the Red Power Ranger the <laughs> character. <laughs> so, you know, it's a tough one to I do. bet your boys are just so impressed when you wheel that one out. <laughs> I know. I said it. They literally were nonplussed. Who's <laughs> met the Red Power Ranger? Fine. <laughs> I tried that with them um, because um, my little one, she's really into watching The Voice. Um, and I think one of the, um, con- I think it's maybe The Voice Yes, because they have the like, old contestants. Yeah, right? but I think they have like Mel B is, is a judge on one of them. And um, so I tried to say, to her, oh, mummy's met Mel B. I've interviewed her. She was just like, no, not, not impressed. Yeah, but I think celebrities change. I just yeah. think they believe you can meet everyone. And you're like, well, no, I'm special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, you're not, Mum. Everyone's a celeb. Move on. Um, okay, so if you could only shop in one place for the rest of your shop. life, yes, where would it be? The clothing? Yeah. Zara. Oh. Okay. Or whistles? Zara. Classic. Zara, because I guess, you know, you could go bankrupt if you were shopping with whistles constantly. For that's everything. true, that's true. Um... But I do love whistles. I have a lot of whistles. But I think Zara, because I think they change with the trends. You know, it's, it's such a huge choice. It's always really nice. I went in last week and it's like, there's everything I want to buy. Yeah. What's yours? Um, oh, oh. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. That's a question. <laughs> I'm not very good at answering questions, Lisa. Um, um, okay, finally, which book are you reading at the moment? Um, I actually, well, I've, I've got next to my bed, I'm just about to start Alexandra Shulman's In Vogue, because I haven't actually read it, um, and I've just finished uh, Robert Webb's oh, Was it good? Oh my God, it's amazing. I really want to read that. I really actually would urge everyone to read it. Very sad, you know, it, I genuinely cried at it, but he talks about masculinity and growing up in a really funny way, in a really articulate way, but a really important way, I think, as well. Is having a conversation about what it means when you don't fit, you know, round peg square hole. Mm. Um, I will save it for my sons when they're old enough. I, you know, that's how important it was. And I was surprised by that, actually. That's interesting, two biographies. I haven't got any fiction on the go. Mm. Um, I um, have uh, Ali Smith's Autumn and Winter to read as well. So I've got a big, big... Yeah. Do you have you have that pile on the go by your bedside table? And also, time? I'm about to start reading a big history of the suffragettes. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I'll never get through all of that. So I'll read about ten pages of each of them. I'm sure. <laughs> there is, isn't there, an app where you you basically yeah. get like you know a really short synopsis of every book? Yeah. You need that, clearly. Yeah, I do. Download that. I do. That's basically... I just need someone to read it for me. I mean, that's basically where I've got to in life. Give me the bullet points. Yeah. Um, listen, Lisa, thank you so much for being my, being my guest today. It's been lovely to chat to you. Um, thank you for ranting about feminism. <laughs> I apologise for the ranting. It was fun. It was fun. Thank you very much. Thank you. you so much for listening and thank you if you have rated and reviewed the podcast on itunes because it really helps if you haven't please do and i'll catch up with you next time softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.